0: Welcome to the Living Fabulously Fierce podcast, a podcast honing in on living with aim. That's authenticity, intention, and masterful execution. All of this as we journey through the process of self-discovery, self-definition, and self-distinction. I'm your host, Farah Bernier, talent management professional and certified coach working with fabulously fierce women across the globe. Join me as I share coaching tips and resources you can apply to your own journey to living Fabulously Fierce. And as an added bonus, I'm never doing this alone. Each week, I'll introduce you to one new guest joining me to share how they live Fabulously Fierce. Do keep in mind, while I'm excited for you to be here and I'm here for you as we'll take this journey together, this is not meant to be a substitute for live coaching engagements. To find out more about coaching one-on-one, please visit www.farabernier.com email me at farrahbernier at gmail.com, and or visit the Living Fabulously Fierce handle on Instagram. With that, let's get started with today's session. Hello, hello, my friends. Um, I am coming to you, recording this, after a really just soul-fueling break. Um, it wasn't extensive, but I took some some time just to be out in nature, um, easy for me to do in California. I know for those of you who are already hitting the cold um, in some parts of the United States, um, as we shift into the fall, um, I cut myself off from social media, even turned off my phone a little bit. Um, And when I say a little bit, you know, you wanna be safe when you're out there solo in nature, but just blocked some notifications. um, And it just gave me a lot of time to reflect and I, as a result reflected on a conversation I just had with a coaching client yesterday who shared with me, she's been reflecting on some of our segments here on the podcast. And she said, you know, Farrah, it's interesting. I hear you encouraging us all to be more intentional about what we want. And, um, offline, off off the podcast, what we're honing in on as a group is being intentional about manifestation. And she acknowledged that there's a fear in the practice of trying to manifest because the things that she wants to manifest are so big, are so huge, and she's actually not doing anything beyond writing them down. She's not taking real, quote unquote, real action to engage in planning for the execution um, against the goals that she's setting against the end results she's targeting to experience. And she kind of had held her um, head down as she was walking me through this. And I said, well, we're not going to hold space for shame in this. What you're doing is you're just being really honest and transparent and we have to honor that because what what is happening is you're positioning yourself not just to tell the truth but to hold yourself in truth up to yourself you're looking in the mirror and you're acknowledging what you what you're seeing and what you're seeing is simply a gap it's not a blemish it's not a fault it's it's not a bad thing you're just acknowledging the gap between intention setting and setting action in order to manifest. And I had to share with her a quote that has stuck with me, especially over the past few weeks. Cause I think I, I just heard it, um, a couple weeks ago, you know, you get to a point in current state of affairs, you are just catching up on stuff. And I was catching up on, um, red table talk and, um, Adrian Ban- Banfield Norris, um, Jada Pinkett's mom. I I really do forget the context, but oh, it made a, it might have been with Kid Cudi. But either way, she she said, "No one can beat you up with your own truth. No one can beat you up with your own truth." So if you're listening to the podcast and you're hearing these calls to be more intentional, you're hearing the advice and recommendation with some of the guests to be action-oriented and and focus on delivering, right? And you stand there and you're all for it, but you realize you're not making any movement. Hey, by the way, that's okay. Maybe you're just in the season of receiving while you're, you're committed to manifesting, those two things can be true. You can sit in a mode of receipt in your preparation to take action in order to manifest your intentions. And know that if you're just truthful about that, embrace the truth with no shame and know that no one can beat you up with your own truth, not even you, right? Even when you, you sense, like it's important for you to carry a little bit of blame and guilt, which is not productive that I can do a whole episode about that. I have a very um uh, I'll say, passionate view on there being no productivity and guilt. I, I just don't believe in it. Um, and so even you can't beat yourself up for your own truth. And so, Own where you are honoring the power of ownership of your truth and know that that ownership, wherever you are, however you are operating or not operating, standing in that truth is a position of power as well and positions you that much stronger for meeting your intention with action when you're ready. And I'm so grateful for today's guest. Um, I'm not gonna give it away, but she has a beautiful way of kind of articulating a lot of this without even um, being so explicit about it, but calling it out from her own lens. So I just wanted to share that with you today um, and I hope it, it rests well with you as you continue to listen through this season and, you know, honing in on whatever you're committed to in your season. Um, And with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll jump back in with our beautiful guest Amalia Mallet, right after the break. Hello, as always, I am thrilled to have you as part of the Living Fabulously Fierce community through the Living Fabulously Fierce podcast. If you want to continue building your insights from the podcast through coaching in a digital format, you can subscribe to the Living Fabulously Fierce coaching corner. All this is, is a subscription-based coaching platform with resources through which you get tools and insights directly from me that are applicable, accessible, and support acceleration for your progression in personal and professional development. All you have to do is visit www.mastermindwithfara and sign up today. Anyone who signs up will be included in our monthly live coaching corners. This is not to be missed. I love these sessions with the women who join every month. It is always such a fueling time. And so again... This is when I join live with other members and we engage together as a community so that everyone is empowered as we address whatever challenges they're confronting or opportunities they're looking to seize. And then we all leave elevated and positioned for ongoing impact, which is what living fabulously fierce is all about that commitment to living with aim, authenticity, intention, and masterful execution. So again, this is not to be missed. So visit www.mastermindwithfarah.com. That's www.mastermindwithfarah.com today. Sign up and we'll see you on the platform as well as in the next live session. Talk to you soon. Welcome back listeners. We have our guest segment of today's episode. Um, As usual, I'm going to hand the mic over to our guest so she can just introduce herself to us. Greetings.
1: My name is Amalia Mallard. I'm the founder of the Laughing Archive. So that means I collect laughter and recorded music. Think about James Brown's, ha, Michael Jackson's, "Hee he. Uh, I collect these as a, a way to tell the story of how Black folks weren't always allowed to laugh out loud.
0: I love that. So Maya, can you tell us about the space in which you're currently having impact?
1: Okay, well, it's an interesting journey to get to impact. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard. Well, uh, for me, I feel like I've been the mad scientist working in the basement, you know, trying to uh, figure out the riddle of the laugh uh, and the Black laugh and recorded music. And so initially, uh, there wasn't a lot of reception to it. You know, to me, I couldn't let the idea go because it kept uh, uh Pursuing me, so it's like why? Why is James Brown saying ha after every other phrase, you know? And then yeah. to see like a Eddie Murphy uh, special, what is that raw that he's talking about? Like he's spoofing that as well. It's like, well, ho- hold on, there's something to that. And so to uh, get to go from a place where uh, initially the project was considered esoteric or strange or weird. <laughs> to yeah. now be in a place where people are tickled, amused, like, oh, Amalia, that's so cool. Let me send you some laps. I've heard of other laps. I've got records for you, you know? So mm. to get to that place where, I guess, to call it impact is is, um, uh, is surreal and strange uh, because like, it's been so much time in the basement working on it but also gratified and relieved. It's like, ha, huh, I'm not alone now.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: hear the laugh too, and wonder why that is too, you know?
0: If, if someone's, cause this, it's very intriguing to me, especially given the context of, you know, history, we weren't always allowed to laugh. Given all of that and hearing you say it pursued you, what did that feel like? And how did you jump in?
1: You know, it's it's funny, this all started uh, by chance you know, I was in a graduate seminar my last semester in the master's program. And uh, it was an archiving class, uh, thinking about alternative archives. And I had this really ambitious project to uh, index the black arts movement from 1965 to 1975, 77. Uh, but I was running out of time. <laughs> so We only have 15 oh. weeks. So when I went oh. back to the professor, it's like, uh... he said, well, what else are you interested in? I said, well, I like laughter in, in music. Can I do that? He's like, sure, go do it. And when I did it, I went into my iTunes library. And because I had already had an affinity and ear for it, I was able to say this song, this song, this song. And putting it together in a playlist is like, hold on a second. There's a pattern here. <laughs> And so, um, I'm sorry, remind me of your question.
0: Sorry, was I it? was so in it with you that I, oh, my question was, can you describe that pursuit and how did you jump right in? I was just tracking with you and yeah, keep going.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So um, so that's how the idea and I connected, right? It's like this thing that right. I have been curious about since a child, you know, cause growing up and listening to Michael Jackson and then my father would play James Brown records it's part of the background you know and so getting to grad school the opportunity to to be encouraged to work on such a random project um and afterwards it's like oh that's cool and you know left it alone you know it was with me but I was like what am I going to do with that um Like, cause I would start to look for sources. I was looking for books initially that would explain, answer the question, why do people laugh on record? And then I couldn't find any, it's like, uh uh-oh. So now I'm going to have to figure this out because no one else has addressed it yet. So, and in talking to people about it, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, people would say that's so strange or that's random or "That's, that's weird. Okay, so, but every, so often I would get like a clue Right. For example, um, I was taking time out to just just zone out and watch YouTube. And I I selected one of the recommended videos, which was uh, Eddie Murphy's, uh, uh, the biography channels, you know, hour long interview and I'm letting it play. And then it gets to this point where he says that his laugh, his classic, his signature laugh was fake. No and the tape everyone. So he said it was fake. And so it, it, it was another clue in the puzzle, you know, to, uh, address why would someone use the laughter? If it's not intentional, if it's not ha ha, that's so funny, it must be yes. a device, right? Yes. It, it has to be a tool. It has to be something that has, uh, an intention, even if it doesn't have an intention, it can also establish the mood, right? Yes. So that, that, pursuing me like I was just trying to relax I wasn't working on my project <laughs> yeah you know um same thing with I had bought this book one of one of the I think one of the first books if not the first book I bought when I came back to New Jersey as an adult and to start grad graduate school uh was a book called the law uh, lost sounds about the beginning of the music industry and black folks um and I had it for years. I bought it in 2006. And for I don't remember for whatever reason, I opened the book and it was talking about George W. Johnson and that he, had, he was the first African-American commercial recording artist and that he had two songs. And one of those songs was called The Laughing Song or The Negro Laughing Song. And for the hook, he's laughing in tune and on time. So I had the book. I had it open. It hadn't called me yet. <laughs> and when it did, when I did respond to the call, I open it and it's like, there's George W. Johnson from 1890. So that's what I mean by an idea, the idea of pursuing me. Right. Like I tried to let it go. I try to give it space. People tell you something <laughs> strange enough, you're like, okay, well, maybe I should let that go. <laughs> and every so often there's here's another clue. Go look at this. Pull at this thread.
0: Wow. I mean, there' so much, but the one, one of the first things that comes to mind to, for me in hearing you is, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher, and in this case, the teachers will appear. And also, um, you know, I'm feeling just a sense of gratitude for that professor who, like, even the way you just described it, you know, it's kind of random. And he was like, yeah, go do it. Like it sounds like he didn't he or she didn't even have a pause. It was just yeah, go do it. Um, and now look at as you're describing it. The reason I even lost track of my question was because I literally picture you pictured you on the scavenger hunt without even a map or you know a plan. It's just the desire, and because that desire was so. I'll use the word you didn't say this but intense all the stuff just started pulling together um slowly but surely and and then the book you had has the in 18 what 90,
1: 1850 1890 1890 That's crazy the beginning the very beginning of the uh of the invention of the recording technology, it's like somewhere in 1877, Thomas Edison lets it go, and like I'm going to come back to it. But around 1890 is when they—I uh, forget which company—but they figure out, like, let's go find somebody who can uh, uh, we can test this technology with. And George W. Johnson happened to be in, on the streets in New York singing his song, <laughs> you know. And and this guy said, "Come on into the studio. Can you do this for us, right?" And uh, What's what's fascinating about him as a person and in in a character in this this story of uh, modern recorded music is that um, he gets credit, he is credited with writing his own songs, right? Which is so, we don't think that that would be um, the case in 1890 and especially Mm -hmm. the Laughing Song, which there's uh, one big reason why I think that he is not, talked about more often or that we don't appreciate him as an African-American hero, uh, you know, being the the first African-American commercial recording artist. You know, he's like the Michael Jackson of his time, like a thriller, you know, Mm -hmm. is is predated by uh, George W. Johnson. And the reason I think that he's been cut out is uh, because that song, The Laughing Song, the lyric upon first look, sound they read like um like blackface minstrelsy you know uh oh. as i was coming around the corner i heard some people say uh, uh here comes a dandy darky here he comes this way that don't sound nice right
0: right right right
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sound like flattering in and, and right. like taking a sitting with the lyrics and thinking about like what is he saying as i was coming around the corner he's describing a mob scene he's a black man coming around the corner confronted with a group of white people yeah. there's no scenario, no scenario ever where seeing a mob of white people is not threatening right right so what he says at the end of the first verse is like so um i i laughed uh, and and then i laughed so It's he's telling the describing the scene and then he says, and then I laugh. And then he laughs for us into and on time. So the way I'm thinking of it is that, you know what? Maybe he was laughing to diffuse the bomb. Maybe he was laughing, laughing to uh, you know, adjust the vibe. Like, you know, like um I'm not a threat. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm just going to laugh, you know, and perform that role, which is the parallel to what uh, Eddie Murphy is saying in the the excerpt is like, you know, it was a fake laugh. I did it to, you know, um, get the laugh from the audience. It's a
0: tool. Yeah. Wow. There's so much there. And and the way you say it is a tool. Um, And on some level, my interpretation is it's survival, right? Right. Like, and I'm not going to pull this thread too much because we will be here for like five hours. But what is our modern day laughter? You know, what is our modern day survival when we show up into spaces in which we are the only and we know the assumption is is threat just by our sheer presence. We do. However we each have our mechanisms, we try to diffuse the bomb. Yes, you know, don't worry. I'm I'm just here to be. I'm not here trying to, you know, mess up your your vibe or whatnot. And we we do have that default. This is just another method that they used. Um wow this wow, thank you for doing this work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank God of the universe. Because I don't, it's like, to me, uh, as controversial as Michael Jackson and the things, the events that have happened around him, you know, are um, one of the things that I, you know, uh, draw from the template of his career is that um, he would always say, you know, he would never take credit for writing the songs, you know, and I was was why would he do a thing like that Like <laughs> you know he wrote right. and he would say it always came from above he's channeling and so and working on this project with you know laughter recognizing you know the truth in what he was saying is that you know I didn't choose this you know and I, I'll tell you the shadow side of it uh because the idea kept pursuing me And I said, okay, well, maybe I should go back to school, get a PhD, like, you know, this thing won't leave me alone. I should should be in school, I should be, you know, making this formal. And I applied three different times and three different times I was rejected. And on the third time I cried, you know, hard, heavy, like hot tears, like, you know, I don't understand God, like this, the idea won't let me go, you know, like Mm -hmm. you got to open the door with this thing. Like, how am I supposed to continue? You know, how, how can I do this? And, and at the time I was working in Queens, it was a two hour commute each way, you know, so I was out the door at 7am and coming back home at 9pm. Right. So, uh, I was like, how, how am I going to, to continue to work on this project and work full-time and try to make my life a life, you know, yep. um, if you don't use this project to open up a door for me. <laughs> and so and right. having that kind of, uh, rejection, I was like, this is not, I didn't choose this because this, right. it, it's, this was a, a difficult path, like a thing that would not let me go. Um, so I give credit to, um, God, right, mm-hmm. the ancestors, because I feel like mm-hmm. I've shown, um, every time I wanted to give up uh, on this idea, there's been another clue, it's like, oh, God. I think she wants to abandon the project. Let's give her something else to look at. You
0: know? <laughs> I love that. And I, I feel that, believe me, I get that completely. What would you say was the biggest learning for you throughout that process?
1: Oh now to be on the other side of it where I can spend uh, my uh, full time researching this project and, and um, to be on the other side of it um, I think. It goes back to what we were talking about before um about the new york city vibe of like you hurry up and wait Mm -hmm. and that some things um are not ripe yet some things you know you have this idea you want to go full speed ahead you want to execute the mission but there are other puzzle pieces that have to get into place uh for you to do that and uh, even if you think you are working on a project alone you, in actuality, you are in concert with a number of other people and their ideas, right? Yes. Even if you're not aware of it yet, because the, those encounters are important. It's the 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 person that hands you the next clue <laughs> is important, and so um, I think what what the encouraging part about the shadow when you're beyond the shadow <laughs> is mm-hmm. to say that um, don't rush it has this time is not ripe yet just stick with it and that uh at the right time and this is people say this often you know things happen at the right time at the right place but it's hard to live that when you're when you, you think you're already waited long enough <laughs> this project has been more than 10 years in the in the process so
0: and it's only in the
1: um, past several years uh, four years yeah four years five years uh that i've been able to uh, have traction, momentum, interest—you know—so that I can can do this full time.
0: Yeah, it's. It sounds like it's also shifting into um, trying to be more intentional with the practice and the commitment of it. What are what are some ways on the day to day that you practice intention or apply intention? to this thing. I love how you said it, um, in your prayer, you're like trying to do all these things, God, and make a life and live my life. How, how do you practice intention in your day-to-day?
1: Okay. Well, I can say that I have not practiced intention longer than I have practiced intention. (laughs) So, uh, so I think in the, it's September now. So the past nine months have, Pushed me to be intentional mm-hmm. because there, um, I think the maybe the shadow side of intention may be being too goal oriented that you miss the purpose of the goal, right? Yeah, and the the real purpose is to show up to the goal intact <laughs> in one yeah. piece right, in, um, in your right mind, in, in healthy and strong, because that is important to accomplishing the mission. Um, and so for me, being intentional in the past nine months have, has been a challenge and a, a, a practice season. And I think I'm better at it now than I was in January, where being very clear, okay, I, I still had my to-do list, but that I'm flexible when the day doesn't happen the way I wanted to, or that the other other puzzle piece didn't show up when I needed it, or when they said it was going to arrive, right? And yeah. so be flexible. And, and that's my intention is just like, let me surrender. Let me be my best self and pr- show up, right? And whatever percentage that is. So like, to me, best self is like, it may be 100% one day, 75 another day, but let me just show up the best way each day. And then you know, surrender to what actually happens, because mm-hmm. I think the way our society is set up where we are misled to think that um, everything is in our individual control, right? Mm-hmm. And that, as we see, I think the lesson of the past uh, 17 months has been it's not in our control and we really are in concert with one another, you know.
0: Yes. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off but you you've said that now twice and that's such a powerful reminder and um thing to take in we are in concert with one another right like we are not alone we we don't roll solo as much as we may think that we do or that we have control we are truly in concert with one another I, and I love your point. You know, you know, I'm doing this thing, and certain people or things haven't arrived yet, but they will. Um, and your point that, you know, the goal is to arrive at the goal intact. Yes. Yes. That is powerful. Is, that is powerful.
1: Uh, you know, I I would I prayed for the day where I would have that. Um, I could own that realization on the other side of that challenge. You know, mm. that to to not have to go through the fire or be out of the fire um, to recognize like, you know what the, the lesson is that like, you have to show up intact. Like, so we cannot burn ourselves out, you know, mm-hmm. trying to complete the mission, right? Um, it is so important that we take care of ourselves along the way. Um, mm-hmm. We're not meant to suffer. Like life is, su- there are there are lessons in the suffering, right? Um, yes. You know, um, but we're, I don't believe that we are supposed to walk wounded and defeated and depressed, right? right. So, so that we could um, carry the weight better. I think that prior to the uh, pandemic, I would say, you know, I got, there's a lot of weight on my shoulder, but I just know I'm not carrying it right. I didn't know how to shift. It's like, I, I'm not, I'm not carrying this well. Um, yeah. But I didn't know what else to do. That's what I've, I've always been doing. It's like, okay, look, you know there's another thing we have to handle. Okay, let's just, let's do it. Let's add it, let's yeah. get there. And then realizing that after my father's uh, passing and the the things that came with having to, you know, bury him, you know, making those arrangements and then all the, the affairs that have to be addressed and wrapped up after a person um, Passes on. That's a lot, you know, okay. yeah, to yeah. do it when uh, every when offices are not open and life is not normal and there are delays. <laughs> it's yeah. just like yo, know, like as an honor to my father, I wanted to do everything meticulously, you know, you know, address everything in this in proper order in proper time. And then it took six months uh, just to uh, get some of this paperwork together, you know? So I could do other things, right? Yeah. Uh, about the, the affairs. So, but having, in what, the beating myself up, cause I thought it was something that I wasn't doing well. Yeah. In a way, blaming myself, it's like, I, and then blaming myself that I'm blaming myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, Right. So I, I think the other side of that is like trying to because the thing that I also didn't uh, handle well is that I didn't I have up to a certain point. I did not allow myself to process my grief because I knew that I needed that that bandwidth to wrap up the affairs, you know, yeah. so I wasn't allowing myself to grieve. But that is a mistake as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the lesson that I learned having gone through all of that is that we we have to show up intact healthy and strong yeah. in our right mind so that that we're best positioned to um carry ourselves through the journey and to be ready when um the other puzzle pieces present themselves and that we can recognize the puzzle pieces right
0: yeah yeah I appreciate that. Thank you um, for elaborating there and sharing. Um, one of the things I also hear is this practice um, of, and not with the heaviness that this word usually gives us, but you'll get what I'm trying to get a, you know, a, a sense of accountability to self for this this um, insightful mode of operating. I know, you know, we talked about this a little bit for me, When I need that reminder to just be or just show up and ease up on the performance of things, you know, like even talk to you about my run this morning, I thought I was going to go and hit my target right like get to 10 minutes per mile today if you can for nine miles and it got to mile six and it was like don't just finish finish well and well means i'm not dying at the end trying to suck air you know what i mean and so when i heard you say you know arrive at the goal intact and now you're saying um healthy strong intact in your right mind all of these things how do you hold yourself accountable? My, my mantra is just living fabulously fierce. And that reminds me all of the things I need for me. If you had to finish the phrase living fabulously blank, what is that for you?
1: Living fabulously balanced.
0: <laughs> mm. what, what does that mean for you? Uh,
1: to me, it means that I, I stop running for buses, stop running for trains, um, stop running to uh, to do everything on the the to do list. Yeah, um, it's saying that um, it used to be like if I go into Manhattan, I'm going to do ten things because um, I don't want to be here on the weekends. The trains run slow on the weekends, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I, I'm already here. Let me just get it done. You know, and so instead of doing that, now it means we're only going to do two things. Yeah. It's like, I know from being out of balance, what it feels like to come home, right? And and just sit on the couch and just collapse there. And I've, I've decided that that's unacceptable now. So mm. being balanced means that I come home with the energy to enjoy being home. <laughs> you know, because- I like that. Because before it, this was just like a dorm room,
0: yeah.
1: You know, my home was not a home. It was just like a place where I had my things, and you know, like is like my work clothes. Like I'm, everything has a purpose that gets me out of the door, right? Instead yeah. of appreciating being home, and like there were times like during the the I'm gonna call it the panini, right? The early <laughs> <laughs> um, where just to sit here and just listen to music. Like I was going through Sarah Vaughn's catalog looking for laughs, I was chasing laughs, but to just be here and, and just do nothing, but listen, gave me yeah. another experience of my apartment. You know, mm-hmm. And at this point I've already been here more than 10 years and to think that like I hadn't actually been in my space and that that yeah. was being imbalanced because everything was about getting stuff done outside versus being present here, I think that's wrong.
0: Okay, you're gonna you're gonna have to come back because that that's like a whole other. I mean that that is revelation upon revelation upon revelation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love your definition. Balances. Being able to come home with enough energy to enjoy being home, man. Okay, all right. Keep us on track. So, um, oh, one of the things we didn't share with the listeners is that we we met in undergrad. So when we think uh, think back to that version of ourselves, you know, most of the times we're asked, you know, what would you tell your younger self? When you think about um, BC Amalia. And um she's, you know, walking through campus and you know just in her day-to-day. What does the Amalia of today need that Amalia still making her way at Boston College to know? What it what is the insight, the wisdom you absolutely need her to know?
1: Don't rush. Mm. Um, I I'm feeling a little uh, uh, tender-hearted towards thinking about her and what she wanted to accomplish, what she wanted to do. Um, see and that all this time after school has been about trying to to do those things and realizing that, is not going to be a straight line to, mm-hmm. to there, and that um, there may be another version of the story, and to be open to that. And uh, I think she needs to know not to rush. I mean, listen, um, undergrad Amalia is a procrastinator. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I you know, but I think of it as a creative time. Like I need space to really think about you know, my papers for school. I need like just yeah. Yeah, But at the same time, like I think that there was a part of me and like even up until recently that thought uh, about rushing. Like my first week of school, I don't know if you know this, like our first week at um at BC, I broke my foot running. Yeah. (laughs) I broke Yeah, I um I was a freshman in a senior seminar. And it was a three hour seminar, it was the first week of class. Uh, and there was of course a break uh, uh, in, the, in the class so that people can you know, walk around, get something to eat, a snack, whatever, um, and go to the bathroom. And because I was so um, shy and um, nervous, I didn't go explore the building to go find the bathroom because I thought, oh, if I get lost or I can't find it or whatever, it takes me a little longer, then I'll be late coming back to class
0: Hmm. and I'll have
1: to walk across his room.
0: Right.
1: It'd be the center of attention. It was too much for me. (laughs) And so I decided that I was going to wait to use the bathroom back in the dorm. So uh, I had on these giant platform uh, sandals with no ankle uh, strap. So I thought I was cute, you know, but I just wasn't gonna be, you know, walking to the bathroom, making, you know, doing the fashion uh, uh, catwalk back. So when wearing these giant platforms, trying to race across uh, the Dust Bowl and then up the hill, you know, to... uh, So up to Gonzaga. uh, And then I was like, I just need to get up, you know, get up, get, get upstairs. I was on the third floor so I told myself, we're just going to open the door, throw your backpack in there, see your stupid roommate, run down the hall <laughs> and get to the bathroom. You know, I had a plan. So, I, you know, in those days, I don't know how it is now, you needed a key to get into the common bathroom. and So I had my, my key ring, all my keys, and I took off running down the long hallway to the bathroom. And the next thing I know, I went up in the air. <sighs> Right.
0: Not and on those and floors.
1: And the, my, um, what do you call it? The other folks on the floor came out of their rooms, their dorm rooms. And they're like, what happened? And this, uh, this <laughs> one of the girls comes over to me. I'm like laying there on the floor. She leans over. She's like, are you okay? And it's like, I have to pee. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so she helps me up. And like, like I'm wobbling, like, you know, hopping on one foot, you know, in this giant wedge uh, platform sandal and uh, get it, you know, I use the restroom, come back and um, the RA is there with BCPD, you oh know, God. and uh, they say, um, are you okay? Uh, do you want to go to the hospital? Say, like, yeah, like it, it, it was burning. Like it, like it was, I had sprained my ankle before I played basketball, but this wasn't that this really hurt. Um, And so they were like, do you want to go to the hospital? Okay. It's like, um, you know, uh, okay, we'll get the paramedics here. Can you walk downstairs? Uh, uh, And I said, no. And so they said, okay, that means we got to call the paramedics, that's how it went. And I was, and all I could see was that the front page of the school newspaper. Freshman, oh, family, they're trying to. No. So I was like, "Oh no, I'll get downstairs." <laughs> like, oh I'll, I'll get there, and so then uh, someone must have reported to, like, told the guys on the first floor. It's like, I don't know, I don't know that part of the story. All I know is that these two guys came upstairs. He's like, "They heard, like, you need help." They put fireman yeah. the ladder. I don't know what you call that. And yeah. um, he carried me downstairs. It was one of the sweetest things. Thank you so much for saving me from, you know, having to, you know, get escorted in the the ambulance, whatever. Um, But I broke my foot uh, the first week of school and because I was rushing to use the bathroom, you know, Mm -hmm. because I didn't um, want to be embarrassed. And so that goes back to like rushing and not showing Mm -hmm. up intact like <laughs> you yeah. know so like even when I was a procrastinator and in, in, at this on one speed it's like I want to go slow and then on the other side is like I want to rush and get there and yeah. so um that's a hard lesson so uh, Amalia in undergrad needs to learn and needs to know um to slow down and yeah. it, it took it took um a panini and my father's sudden passing to get me to really get that lesson.
0: Yeah. And you started off um, saying that you think of uh, freshman year, Amalia, with a lot of um, tenderness. Yeah. And I think she looks forward ahead and sees you with a lot of tenderness and appreciation. And I do too. And I'm so grateful for your light. this world for the wisdom that you have and that you share and and this is something that i've always perceived about you i think like you you say i'm i was always a procrastinator one thing i just remember is like i just always felt with you there was this level of just zen and presence in the moment and that is such a big um blessing for those who get to observe it especially as we are now confronted with the need for that, so I think the tenderness goes both ways, um, and and I appreciate it. So thank you,
1: thank you, and th- thank you for saying that, and also thank you for planting that idea. Like, how could I look at myself from the old, you know, the previous self to the present self, and to acknowledge that I I carried myself, you know, that here, like, and that we that's 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 the goal right like to show up yeah and then but yeah but now with appreciation you really got me thinking he's like yeah but appreciate who you are right now that 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 person got you
0: here <laughs> in a big way in a really big way oh my gosh um listeners such a blessing to have amalia with us today so so, my, so many gems. I always encourage you to have your notebook ready. And I know that pages upon pages are now full. So with that, Amaya, thank you a million times over. And you will have to come back for more because we need all of this. My, my cup is full today. And I'm grateful for it because it's overflowing. And now I get to go share that with others too. So thank you. Amen. Yeah. So, listeners, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in and we'll chat next week. One quick thing before you go a few of you have actually reached out, sharing that you're not on social media, but you love the podcast and you're not sure how to sign up for coaching. First and foremost, I'm so excited that you're interested in investing in yourself in this way, and I look forward to hopefully partnering with you in this way. So with that, all you have to do is visit www.vipwithfarrah.com. That's vipwithfara com and you can literally sign up today my recommendation is that if you're new to coaching you sign up for the starter package and if you are returning or have had a coach in the past and you want to jump back in there are vip packages that you can customize in terms of how many sessions you can get again visit www.vipwithfarad.com and you can literally get signed up today any other questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I can be reached via email at pharahbernier at gmail.com. Have a fabulous week ahead and stay fierce.